It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All we can be sure of is this. Zach Berry and Grayson Weir are hashtag not committed. I love a good train wreck. Hey, what up? This is Not Committed. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me as always, Grayson Weir. Grayson, good afternoon. How are we this uh, fine Thursday? Fine Thursday, I should say. I already said afternoon. It is almost Friday. It's almost the weekend. Life is good. It's a beautiful day here in Nashville, Tennessee. Looking forward to talking all things Rebs. Got uh, got some travel booked coming up. Um, headed to Atlanta in a couple of weeks for the Under Armour camp. Get down there. See some 2023, 2024. I'm sure there'll be some 2025 people there. Uh, here's another thing. Recruiting just makes you feel old. That's what it yeah. does, Grayson. It just makes you feel old. Um, so I'll be down at Under Armour Camp, and then in March, headed down for the Elite 11 Regionals. Uh, teased that last week when we talked to Arch Manning. I'll be down in Baton Rouge for that. Um, actually planning, I think, I believe I'll be able to get there in time uh, Friday. Might go catch a, might go catch a game at the, uh, at the box there. They go see the Aggies and the Tigers, some uh, SEC baseball. It's a fun um, place. It's weird that it's right around the corner already. Um, but yeah, never been to a baseball game at the box. I've been to Death Valley. Um, never been to a game at Pete Maravich Assembly Center, but I've seen it. Um, but never been to a, an LSU game. So I might go catch that uh, before I see the Elite 11 Regionals down there. Um, we, uh, I believe all signs are a go for Arch Manning to be there. So that'll be exciting. Uh, also coming up, second segment of the podcast here. Conversation with DeAndre Prince, the Ole Miss cornerback. Uh, we will talk uh, the new look defense. They're having to replace a lot of pieces. We'll talk about that. We'll also touch on our first uh, topic here. Chris Kiffin, Chris Loeb, ESPN reported earlier today that um, he will be returning to the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. Um, joined 
uh, the staff last month as a co-defensive coordinator with Chris Partridge. Um, he is now, um, as Chris Lowe put it, had a change of heart and decided to get back into the NFL. So uh, I'll ask DeAndre about that as well. You'll hear uh, from him uh, in the second segment. So uh, let's go ahead and start there, Grayson. Uh, we don't really know why. Um, Chris Lowe said he had a change of heart. I guess we can take his word for it. Chris Lowe's pretty good at uh, the whole journalism thing. Uh, probably maybe spoke with him or spoke with someone close to him. But um, my first thought was that as someone who has been in the college game, knows how, knows how the game is, knows how the industry is, knows what comes with the position. I kind of think that somebody remembered what recruiting was and how much recruiting takes up your time and probably decided to just stick to where he is with the uh, professionals. Yeah. And Bruce Feldman kind of indicated something similar uh, not long after the original Chris, Chris Lowe report. He said the younger Kiffin who took the job last month realized he, he, he made a typo, but anyway, the younger Kiffin who took the job last month realized that he doesn't want to be coaching in college again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would venture to guess that he had one conversation with a recruit, perhaps about like TikTok or something like that and said, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Uh, and, and had a change of heart. Cause I mean, the difference, the last time Kiffin, Chris Kiffin was on the collegiate level was in 2017 at Florida Atlantic. The, the difference in the social media world, in teenagers, in high schoolers, in recruiting over the last four years that he's been at San Francisco as a pass rush specialist working with DJ Jones out there. And then the Cleveland Browns defensive line coach uh, in 2020 and 2021 over the course of those three, now almost four years that he's been on the NFL level, that entire landscape has changed in terms of like, I mean, Brian Kelly taking TikToks with recruits and having to- And they sign with Alabama. Yeah, exactly. Having to really cater to this social media era. And um, you shared with me before we, we got on here. I mean, Ohio State had a recruit that I guess visited or is interested in the school. He shared like an NFT from the school. Um, I, can, I would imagine that I would imagine that Chris Kiffin was just like, you know what? I don't need to be doing this. I'm getting paid relatively the same. Um, I don't know the exact numbers there, but I would guess that it's in the general ballpark of what he's getting paid to be the defensive line coach in Cleveland or whatever position he's now taking. Now we don't, I don't know if he's going back to just like fill the vacancy that he created by leaving, or if he's just taking a defensive analyst role, but for whatever reason, he's going back to the Browns. And it seems to me that he, he was just like, you know what? I, I don't want to deal with these 16, 17, 18 year olds who are plugged into their iPhone constantly when I can be on the NFL level and not have to worry about any of this. Yeah. Uh, speaking of NFTs, if you like know how they work or want to explain it to me, uh, don't cause I don't care. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So uh, Ole Miss has two openings now special teams coordinators still open and now um, linebackers. So we were talking about it before we hit record. I don't think because there's a potential hire out there that has um, a history of coaching D line 
um, that Ole Miss is uh, <clears throat> in conversations with potentially. Um, I don't know if they'll move Randall Joyner off defensive line. He played linebacker in college. Um, but honestly, I don't think they will because he's been so good since he's been at Ole Miss. Um, and he's recruited well to that position. I, I think it would be – I'm not doubting what Randall Joyner could do. I mean, I'm sure he could pick right up and be a linebacker's coach. Um, but I feel like he's staying in defensive line. I think that would – I mean, I, I don't think they'd move him off of that. So, um, for now, unless they can find a two-for-one deal, there's two openings left on the uh, staff. Now that Chris Kiffin has left and gone back to uh, the NFL, I, I don't, I mean, quote unquote left. I don't know if he ever got to Oxford, but um, all right. We did ask for some mailbag questions for today's show. Uh, we got some on the board here. First one, two questions. Um, how many wins in baseball this year? And then the next question. Can't remember if it's been asked before, but I'll ask it anyways. Does Ole Miss part ways with Bianco if they don't make it to Omaha this year? Um, Bianco has been the hot topic on the board, so I thought this would be a good one to start on. So, um, yeah, it is a recruiting show, but technically we can talk about anything we want because it is our show and we're in, you know, a dead period. So um, how many wins in baseball this year? To be honest, I haven't really shifted to baseball mode yet. Um. I mean, look, if, if history shows us anything, Mike Bianco coached teams are always typically efforting here, pulling up some, uh, some numbers. He has won, since he's been at Ole Miss, he's won 40-plus games. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. Um, you know, I, he's missed the NCAA tournament one, two, three times. Um, they have a ton of talent returning. Peyton Chatagnier, Tim Elko, Kevin Graham, Jacob Gonzalez, um, Justin Bench. They have a lot of pitching talent that um, I know a lot of people are buzzing about the talent on the, uh, on the roster. Um, bullpen and starters. Um I mean, Derek Diamond's back. Um, you've got Hayden Dunhurst, Hayden Leatherwood, um, TJ McCants. Uh, they, I, I mean, I want to say they virtually bring back the entire starting lineup, the, the entire batting lineup. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Grayson. I think that's correct. The vast majority of it at the very least. <clears throat> yes. People are probably screaming at their their car radio, whatever they're listening to their podcast through, because I'm probably wrong here. Um, did they lose anybody off last year's team? Um, I'm trying to actually pull up a, a lineup from last year right now <laughs> because I'm curious to know this. Of, I don't think they did. A lot of efforting. Um, Let's see, I, last year. Um, I guess Kale Baker's gone. Um, yeah, so but, the entire lineup didn't really play all that much at the end of last year, so that won't be a big deal. Um, Plumley's obviously gone. Uh, I believe Again, Calvin Harris is gone. Deal. Yep, not a big Trey deal. Trey LaFleur transferred. Kemp Alderman's back. Garrett Wood was in a photo shoot, so I'm assuming he's back. Um, Doug McKay's obviously gone. Gunnar Hoagland's gone. 
Um, so yeah, I, look, there's a ton of, a ton of hype as always with Ole Miss baseball, because people love Ole Miss baseball. Um, but yeah, I would assume that Derek diamond is going to be the number one guy on Friday. Yes. Uh, Drew McDaniel, um, ended up having a pretty solid year last year. Um, John Gaddis, the Texas A&M Corpus Christi transfer lefty, a lot of buzz about him. And then, um, you've got, uh, his name is escaping me and I'm scrolling, uh, Jack Washburn, the guy from Oregon state. Um, I'd imagine he will be in the mix for a weekend spot. And then, uh, you've always got the buzz about Taiwan Malone. We posted about him last week, hit a dinger in a scrimmage. Um, not sure if he'll be a starter at any point. I don't think so. Still, he still could, a youngster. He could um, steal that designated hitter spot. So I'm I'm looking at the opening day lineup right now, um, and it's going to be Hayden Dunhurst at catcher, Tim Elko at first base, <clears throat> Shania at second, either Justin Bench or Reagan Bu- Burford at third. Uh, Jacob Gonzalez, potentially the best player in the country, uh, is back at shortstop. Kevin Graham's back in the outfield. TJ McCants is back. Uh, Hayden Leatherwood is back. Kemp Alderman's there. Um, and then designated hitter, you've got either Ben Van Cleave or Calvin Harris. So, yeah, the entire lineup does return. So Calvin Harris is back. Right. The entire. Okay. I thought he left. I, I, I think he would, there was speculation that he was going to. Um, but, yeah, so that entire lineup is back. Now, the only question okay. is can Derek Diamond become a Friday night true starter? And then who fills in behind him? I know there's a lot of depth, and that's a great thing. And there's a lot of hope for the pitching staff, yeah. but to replace the Casey and Hogland, you know, you, is a tough ask. And so that will be curious to figure out. Now the original question here, how many wins I'm just going to run through really quick. Uh, Charleston Southern should be a sweep to open the year. Uh, is there a chance you drop a game? Obviously that could happen at any point throughout the year, but it's Mark McMillan's return to Oxford after being the, like camp coordinator out there. He's now the head coach at, at Charleston Southern. I don't think that matters at all. Um, I go, think go Bucks. I think Little Bortles, Colby Bortles. I believe he's actually uh, a coach over there at Charleston Southern under McMillan right now. But I think that's a Blake, sleeper uh, off it's, the top. It's Blake Blake Bortles' brother. Yes, Colby. I don't know if you knew that. Um, no, I didn't actually. I, I I didn't know that they were related. Um, actually, fun fun story. I gave uh, Blake Bortles a Yingling out in right field one time. And he was very, <laughs> very, very nice guy. But anyway, was it, was it a regular or a black and hand? It was a regular. It was a regular. Okay. okay. Good. Um, he was looking for something other than a cheap domestic. And so I got him a slightly <laughs> less cheap domestic. What um, a bougie Florida guy. I know. What a guy. So Charleston Southern sweep off the top. You beat Arkansas state VCU at home. You should win all three games. More than likely you're going to drop one. Um, maybe the early season letdown, you drop two, but more than likely you drop one out of three against VCU should be a sweep, but VCU is very good. Uh, they were top 40 in RPI last year. Not too bad. ULM is Louisiana Monroe. You should win both of those games at UCF is interesting because it's the first road series of the year. UCF always can be somewhat dangerous if they get their bats hot, had a good program last year, or at least a good enough program last year. It should be a sweep though all three of those games ideally uh maybe drop one uh like the sunday depending on how the bullpen and all that stuff shakes out 
you beat Memphis at home, you beat Alcorn State at home, you sweep Oral Roberts at home, you beat Southeast Louisiana on the road, and then we get into SEC play and things get interesting. Auburn, um, you should win that series 2-1, if not 3-0. At Memphis, always can be tricky. It's a little midweek game. I could see you dropping that one just because you don't know who you're starting. It's in the middle of SEC play. Uh, maybe one of those weird games that gets away from you um, early. They, so, they should win that, though, because Memphis has got worse. From yes, years. but it's a, one of those weird games that it's like it's in. I'm sure they're playing it at all its own. Um, one of those weird games that you could just see, you know, being a midweek drop. But more than likely you win that. And then at home versus Tennessee is the first like really interesting series of the year. March 25th through 27th. Um, Tennessee could be very, very good this year. But I still think that, you know, if the bats are as good as they are supposed to be, unless they go ice cold the way that they have under Bianco, you win two out of three of those games. You beat North Alabama. You should win two out of three, uh, if not three out of three at Kentucky. Southern Miss should be a win, although that's obviously the pro game that gets a little tricky. Alabama, you should sweep, maybe drop one there. Murray State, you beat. At South Carolina is where it gets really interesting. I could see South Carolina um, giving Ole Miss some problems there. But again, in an ideal world, you win two out of three. Uh, Southeast Missouri, you should beat at home. Mississippi State, I'm going to go ahead and say that you lose that one. Um, Yeah. Just because I think Mississippi State's going to be very good. And you're playing them four times in a row. You're playing them three at home, once against, once in Pearl. Um, I'll go ahead and say you split it. You go two out of four. Um, Arkansas, I think you lose at Arkansas. Missouri at home, you beat Missouri at home. And then at LSU and versus Texas A&M kind of close out the year. And those are both toss up. So, I mean, all but, let's say, the A&M series, the LSU series, the Arkansas series, and the Mississippi State. Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So there's six series, 18 games, that are kind of re- like that, that should be really competitive. So in an ideal world, those 18 games, you win at least six of them. You're looking at a 10 loss season, give or take. And I know that's you know, the people at home crunching the numbers are probably very confused with, with where I went with that, but I'm going to go ahead and say you win all but three series. I think you lose at, against mississippi state no that's double decker weekend who am i kidding that that you're not losing in front of that crowd at home (laughs) i don't know this is all speculation i think i think they're probably in the regular season are winning somewhere between 35 to 37 38 games that's probably about right and that's where it should be and and if that happens in the regular season bianco keeps his job if that happens in the regular season and then you go on to the postseason and you lose in her home regional, I think he needs to go. <clears throat> if you make it to a super regional and then do the same thing where you start game one really hot, you put up a ton of runs, play really well, then get demolished in game two and three. I, I, th- I think you got to start looking at what's next. Um, and now I'm I mean, look, it, if you're. In- Sorry to interrupt. I'll just say, I think in an ideal world, just an amicable split both ways is Ole Miss 
figures it out pitching wise. Cause I think the lineup's going to be fine. Yep. They're going to hit. You've got everybody back. I think if Derek diamond shows the type of like Derek diamond in the opener and the opening at the Texas showdown was great. Um, if he can put that together and be consistent, and then you got a guy like Jack Washburn, who was really good at Oregon state can step in. And then you have someone like Drew McDaniel who can pitch um, on the weekend. And then you just find someone that's capable of throwing five to six good innings on a, on a midweek. I think they can have a shot to make a run. I think so too. Now I don't think they'll get to Omaha because I'm going off of what history has shown me. Haven't been able to do it. Um, but the best case scenario for Ole Miss fans, I think, is to make a run at Omaha, have a team that hits over 300 collectively, and you get there, you're one of the final eight teams, and then Bianco rides off into the sunset. Because, I, I mean, it's, there's no way of knowing right now if this team is good enough to win it all. I don't think they are. Um, but the lineup is good enough to, to keep you in games and to, um, you know, win some road some tough road games, you know, if they go on the road for a regional or they go on the road for a super regional, um, the lineup should be good enough unless you, you know, like last year you run into a team like Arizona that just rakes um, from top to bottom. Uh, yeah. I'm sticking under 40 wins. I think if, if you set it at 40 over under, I'd take the under for the regular season. And then you just kind of take what you can get SEC tournament regional. And then if you get to a super, um, I think that's a fair approach, and and I, and we kind of got off the rails here a little bit, just going bigger than we needed to with with this question and this answer. But <laughs> I, I I think it, that's the perfect way to sum it up: is you take the under on forty wins, and then you hope that they kind of build the bits and pieces around that to where you're in a good position. I I don't now I don't think there's any reason that Ole Miss should not be hosting a regional. Come yeah. Absolutely. If you are a two seed or worse at a regional on the road, I think then you start to question Bianco's job security, but it's way too early in the season to, to, to speculate on it. But as of right now, I think you have to make a super regional with this team. Yeah. The quick, uh, quick answer to the second question. Does Ole Miss part ways if they don't make Omaha this year? I'm going to say no, no, whether they should or shouldn't will be the debate. Yeah. Whether they will or won't, I, I doubt it. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Hell of an opening question there. We uh, we got pretty <laughs> long-winded there. So we're going to take our first break, hear from the sponsors, make the show possible, when we come back, more message. Message board questions, mailbag questions. So hang tight right back. This podcast is brought to you by Lamar Yard, Oxford's indoor-outdoor restaurant, bar, and entertainment space on South Lamar. They now have an updated menu with non-barbecue options from Tex-Mex to Mississippi Delta catfish to smash burgers. And you can contact Lamar Yard for your private events for the spring and summer. They have a dedicated event coordinator who will help you plan your event from start to finish. And they offer on-site catering. From weddings to Greek parties or corporate events, Lamar Yard is the perfect place to host your next party. Lamar Yard is Oxford's quintessential family and pet-friendly venue, and they look forward to hosting you soon. Check them out at lamaryard.com. And if you want a place for clever dishes and captivating cocktails, look no further than So Wild South Lamar. 
Chef Erica and her committed team of food and beverage enthusiasts are bringing top-notch cuisine and libations to you six days a week. Whether it's happy hour three to six, fresh squeezed margaritas, ramen, two-for-one Moscow mules, all that more, the best and brightest in-house or via curbside pickup. Check them out, solaoxford.com or call them at 662-238-3500 and place your order today. The show also brought to you by Memphis restauranteur Kelly English and his restaurant group in Memphis, Tennessee. The renowned chef and his team are offering nationwide shipping and virtual cooking classes with Cooking with Kelly. You can learn more about the nationwide shipping at irisetc.com and you can also book a virtual cooking class online at table22.com slash iris. Kelly English Restaurant Group in Memphis, Second Line Restaurant Iris and the Magnolia House down on the coast in Biloxi. Show is also brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over, see Cody Allen and the rest of the crew take on their challenge of the wide plush Zoysia fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They've got two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up that short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head. And PXG has nailed the fitted breathable. And my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC. Code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. BXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Ufi Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. And we are back here on Not Committed, Zach Berry, Grayson Weir. All right, Grayson, got one for you here. Uh, since Grayson is a fan of the Big Uglies, who are his top Ole Miss offensive linemen at each position from the past decade? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I would have preferred a little uh, some time here so I don't neglect anybody. Okay, let me help you out. Off I'm the gonna, top. 
Well, I'm just going to name, I'm not going to name positions here. I'm just going to go off the top of my head. I was going to say left tackle is easy. Yeah. Larry Tunsil done. Um, Javon Patterson. I love Javon Patterson. Um, let's see. I mean, I think Nick Broker is a lot of fun to watch. He's a bully. Um, they're also, I think, I think it's center there, but it's center for the versatility and the consistently and longevity of the career and, and playing a ton of games. Um, when Ole Miss was at its best in 14, 15, I, I'm going to go Ben still. <laughs> I love that. I was, I was going to shout out our guy, Ben still. So I'm going to agree with that. I mean, the I mean, question, I, the question is favorite, think, I mean, not best. So favorite Ben still, he's number one. I think, so I, well, I think he, he he played a little bit of center and played some guard, so he's got some some flexibility there. He can help you out in a, in a multitude of ways. If you're asking me to pick another center, last decade, so going back to 2012. Um, no, I'm sticking I, with that. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with that one too. I'm going to throw Justin Bell in there. I always loved Justin Bell. Um, the Kool Aid Man. Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a fair one. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Justin Bell, Ben Still, Javon Patterson, Laramie Tunsil. Uh, let's see, let's throw one more in there for good measure. Oh, here's one because he was very important. He was very important in the early stages of this decade that we're the window that we're in. Um, oh my God, now I'm drawing a complete blank on his name. Uh, Pierce Burton. That's a good one. He was huge in the uh, early Bo Wallace years, holding down the right side. Um. Hmm. Anyone seems, else that we're missing? Good, seems like a good one to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a good group. We're talking, we're talking favorites here. Justin Bell is. I, I, I'm always a big fan of Justin Bell, so I want him up there. Uh, let me think of one more. If I can, Jared Duke. We got a shout out our guy, Jared Duke. Um. Yeah, that's that seems that seems fair. This is this is not best. If we want to do that best, I'll come back with a, a definitive list list next time. But we're just talking favorites. Okay. I'll throw those guys right. out there for sure. All right, we already talked a ton of baseball, so we're gonna skip over that one. Um, okay, here's one. So quite a few quote professionals say that Harris is an NFL offensive tackle. They're referring to Xavier Harris, the 2022 signee from Germantown High School in Madison, Mississippi. Um, does he switch to O-line early, or are they giving him a shot at defense first? I don't think they're switching him to offensive line. I mean, sure, he probably looks the part of an offensive tackle because he's so humongous and he moves so well. But this is the reigning 6A defensive player of the year. Um, I mean, the dude is an absolute tank that you can put in the middle of the 3 2 six. Um, I, I mean, I think it's just, it's almost kind of easy or kind of late. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not disputing other people that are better at assessing talent or analyzing what recruits look like, but it's almost kind of lazy to see a guy that's six, eight, 300 plus, And you're like, Oh, offensive lineman, just because that's what they look like now. I mean, he moves exceptionally well for a guy his size. And I mean, you saw the pictures of him at the Mississippi Alabama all-star game and how he somehow dwarfed Jaheim Otis, um, which is insane to say, but no, I think they're going to keep him on the defensive line. I think Randall Joyner and Chris Partridge love him. 
at defensive line. I think he's going to be a guy that can develop into a legit, you know, a three, two, six, you know, a guy that you can put in the middle of that defense and help plug up run lanes and free up linebackers by chewing up blocks. So I think they keep him on the defensive side. Yeah. And if you want to move him to the offensive side of the ball, eventually fine. But right now the offensive line has showed up. I mean, we just talked a little bit of the past, but looking at the present, it's, it's Jeremy James, Nick Broker, Caleb Warren, Eli Acker, or Cedric Milton. I would lean Acker there. And then Mason Brooks. So it's not like you're in a massive rush to get someone like Xavier Harris on the offensive side of the ball when right. he was recruited as a defensive guy by every school that he was recruited by. Joyner and Partridge love him on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I think people are, are so not used to this 3-2-6 this system, this athlete-focused system yet that they don't understand we don't necessarily we being almost doesn't need a, a ton of offensive line or i'm sorry defensive line guys so long as you have that one big presence in the middle and Xavier harris provides that so if he can sit there and clog up that middle for the next four years there's no reason to move him to offense yeah, and we talked about it on the show already. The the offensive line might have a case for being the most experienced offensive line of the country mm-hmm. going into next season with both uh, Broker and Brooks with over a thousand career snaps. And then you throw in a, a freshman All SEC guy like Eli Acker. You've got Jeremy James, Caleb Warren, guys that played a ton last year. Um, so yeah, I, I, there's no there's no need to put him over there. They've got a capable offensive line, and I just think he's He's a defensive lineman. Like I said, he won the 6A Defensive Player of the Year award. All right, uh, next question. The Mannings are Ole Miss's first family. Peyton was an anomaly because Ole Miss was not competitive then. Um, I'll also throw in they were on probation, so that was the main reason why Peyton didn't go to Ole Miss. Um, today, Ole Miss is hyper-competitive in football with a world-class head coach who has a proven track record of developing quarterbacks. It's done. Arch commits to Ole Miss sooner rather than later, and uh, – this person thinks that Coop has already had that talk with Kiffin. Um, Arch will be the next great rebel, and we'll do this for the larger Manning legacy for Coop, who never got to play at Ole Miss. And, of course, um, I guess this person's saying for uh, for an aging rebel. So any thoughts on that in terms of Arch already deciding that he's going to go to Ole Miss and he's just playing the game? I, I, I love this. This is so optimistic and so for the for the, for the sake of for the sake of our business and for this podcast, I hope you're correct. I do too. I think every and I think Ole Miss fans everywhere hope that this this person is correct, but this person is not correct. Like we we know that that decision has not been made yet, and that that there's a lot of time to decide. But I love. I mean, I appreciate the optimism, and I appreciate the the way in which it is um being said i mean it's being said as if it's fact and i love that but it's not best case scenario i go down to baton rouge and see him throw to lee 11 and uh arch just tells me that he's committed <laughs> told us and then That'll we break the story yeah he won't do that no <laughs> all right um Here's another one for you. Grayson keeps talking about how different the offense will be under Weiss. Can you give any specifics? Um, he's always heard that Kiffin's OCs call plays from the playbook and use his terminology 
just adding an occasional wrinkle. Um, I'll throw it to you first and then I'll give my thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely Charlie Weiss's is junior's playbook is very similar to Lane Kiffin's. It's very similar to Jeff Levy's. They're not calling plays out of Kiffin's playbook because it's not Kiffin going to his coaching staff and saying, here are your plays that you will call from, right? It is the two of them sitting down together and building an offense that they have kind of already built um, together at FAU. So this playbook is already established. We know what it's going to look like. Um, But I think the big basic philosophy um, to go off of with, with Charlie Weiss versus someone like a Jeff Levy is that Charlie Weiss is going off of playbooks like his that his father has he has followed in his father's footsteps yeah i i tend to agree there i think that and look they've worked together in the past so there's some familiarity there with how each one works within the system um and kiffin's always going to have wrinkles he's always going to i mean that's kind of been his mantra his whole career is he finds a mismatch or he finds a way to get his best playmaker or playmakers the ball and then just beat you to death with it until you stop it. Um, He did it in 2020, his first year at Ole Miss with Elijah Moore and worked some Kenny Yaboa in there too, because those two guys exploited people um, in one-on-one scenarios. So that was kind of how he operated in his first year. Uh, This past year, it was a little more, I mean, people, I've seen people talk about the statistics compared from Corral and year one under Kiffin to year two. Um, A lot of it had to do with injuries. They had to really shift the, the attack on offense because of the injuries to receivers. A little more run heavy uh, this past year, but uh, still had a thousand yard receiver in Drummond. Um, So he's always going to find a way to work his, best playmakers in either one-on-one scenarios or find a way to exploit a mismatch in space and just work that. Um, Looking at what Weiss did at FAU with Kiffin, it was very similar to what Kiffin has done at Ole Miss. And then looking at what Weiss did at South Florida um, was kind of a little bit of similar to what they did at FAU, but then they also worked a lot of five wide stuff threw the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of a more of an intermediate passing game. And then they take their shots downfield. Um, but if you look at how the two married their systems or their schemes together, it's going to be pretty similar, but I anticipate them catering it to the the roster. I mean, yeah. I think you have a guy in, in Zach Evans, who's a five-star running back who did a lot of nice things at TCU but then you've also got the added element of a guy like Jackson Dart, who's going to fight for the starting job. I think he will win it. So, I mean, you're going to have a dude that's got legitimate NFL arm talent, can move, he's mobile. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, and Luke Altmaier is the same way. I think they're both underrated with their athleticism and being able to move. I think Dart moves a little bit better than Altmaier. But I, I think you're going to see more of the the run game with the quarterback. I, they they were clearly guarded with it in 2021 because of Corral's health. They wanted to make sure that he was healthy. They didn't want to run him too much. Um, 
<laughs> and if that was the plan, uh, Matt Corral said, I don't care. I'm going to do that uh, as much as I want in the Tennessee game. But I think that that kind of speaks to my point of finding something that works and is a mismatch. And they just beat you to death with it because Tennessee had no way to stop Corral in that game. Um, a lot of it wasn't design runs. It was just Corral finding a hole or seeing a seam and taking off and running. And it worked. So a long way of answering that it's going to be similar in theory and, and with the scheme. But again, I think that the offense is going to change week to week, depending on who they're playing and what the defense is showing them in game. Cause Kiffin loves to make, you know, you know, he does his whistle on the sideline and, and calls audible. So um, going to be a little bit of both. And I think I, I got kind of interrupted because my dog was, decided to, to howl a little bit. I'm not sure if y'all could pick that up at home, but the the biggest thing with a, a Charlie Weiss offense versus a, a Jeff Levy offense is they're both very similar in that they, you know, open up the field and get the balls to the players and take manage of mismatches. But the big thing that Charlie Weiss likes to use a lot more than most other coordinators, um, even in across college football is, is a jerk route. And, and for those who aren't familiar with the jerk route, it's basically, um, how would I put it? It's basically like a shallow crossing route. So they're coming across the middle of the field, but there's a slight st- stutter step to it. So the, what Levy used was a similar um, type of route to where he would kind of, you know, you would cut and then you would run a more of a go route on a, on a deep ball. Uh, Charlie Weiss likes to use the jerk route across the middle to where he, um, so basically the receiver stops for a second as if he was about to catch um, like a curl, a curl route, but then proceeds to cut across the middle of the field. And, and now Levy used it as well, but he used it more on the deep ball. Weiss likes to use it on kind of the mismatches across the middle and the idea and, and the goal of a, a, a crossing jerk route that, that Weiss uses a lot is to, um, the goal is to isolate a receiver over the middle, hoping that the defensive backs um, kind of pull off and that you end up with a one-on-one mashup with a receiver and a linebacker. Um, And now every offense uses this. So this isn't a revolutionary thing by any means. Um, And Lane has used it and Levy used it last year, but Charlie Weiss Jr. likes to use it a lot. He likes to put where most offenses would prefer to put their best receiver, their fastest receiver, their biggest receiver, their most athletic receiver, whatever you want on the outside um, and kind of have him create one-on-one matchups, hopefully with a physically uh, in superior cornerback. Chuck Weiss likes to do that a lot over the middle. So he likes to put his, his best guys across the middle and hopefully isolate them one-on-one with a linebacker. So that's kind of the big thing at least and, that I've picked up in when I've been watching a lot of his film recently. Yeah. And I think again, going back to the, the mismatch, you find something that works and you exploit it until they stop it. I mean, on paper, this offense is going to be potentially as good as 2021. Now, how good is Jackson Dart or Luke Altmaier going to be compared to Matt Corral? That's a tall task. Cause Matt Corral was, a uh, you know, a guy that was in the Heisman conversation all year and is one of the best quarterbacks to ever come through Oxford. But on paper, you've got two blue chip guys in that room fighting for the starting job. And then you've got a five-star running back that's coming in. 
you add that, you add to that Kentrell Bullock, who has been in the system, knows how the offense works, knows what they want. And then another uh, incoming freshman in, in Quinchon Judkins that I think the staff is super high on and they think that he'll have an impact in 2022. But then the receiver room is where things get interesting because you've got a guy like Malik Keith that's going to report in the summer. He will be in the mix along with Jonathan Mingo on the outside, a guy like Braylon Brown, a former four-star that um, has yet to really do much of anything coming off that injury he suffered in, in fall camp. And then the transfers coming in along with Heath, you've got Jordan Watkins, a guy that kind of does a little bit of everything. He played some outside. I talked with him last week. He said he loves the slot. That was kind of his the selling point for Ole Miss was him being a, a weapon in the slot form. You've got a guy like him to go along with Jalen Knox, another transfer that set out last year. I think that they're going to kind of go back to what they did a lot in 2020 with small shifty guys that run good routes and can exploit slower linebackers over the middle. They did that the jerk all route. 2020. Yeah, they did that all 2020 with Elijah Moore. Um, now, I'm not saying that Jordan Watkins or Jalen Knox is going to be as good as Elijah Moore because the guy was a, I mean, probably one of the great receivers ever to come through Ole Miss and one of the better receivers in the SEC um, the past couple of years. So it, it, they're going to have a ton of flexibility and a ton of weapons to uh, to decide what they want to do offensively. But, hey, it, if anybody can figure it out, it's Lane Kiffin and, and Charlie Wise Jr. So, all right. Um, here's another good one. Uh, how do we envision Partridge's defense looking this year? Is it going to be similar to Durkin's or is he going to make it his own? Um, I think it's going to be similar to what they ran last year. Um, I mean, look, uh, we I talked about the Tennessee game earlier with Corral and how he was able to do some damage with his legs. I think that was the game where the defense kind of everything clicked. Um, it helped with Jake Springer coming back that game and making an impact, but the defense was really good against a good offense. They confused Hendon Hooker all night. They got to him, uh, had a couple sacks in that game, and they were just extremely disruptive in the backfield. I think that that was part of the reason why Partridge was given the bump to be the DC, just the familiarity. He knows the system. It's already in place. They've recruited to it. I think they're going to stick with the three, two, six. And I just think that it's, it kind of best suits what they have and everybody's skill set on the defense. And I think that you can kind of see how they recruited with guys like Aishin Young, uh, Ladarius Tennyson, those types of hybrid nickelback outside linebacker safety guys. So I think they're going to stick with the same system. Yeah. I think it'll look pretty similar too. Um, I, I hate having to like put a quantifiable, you know, three, two, six, three, four, four, three, 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 five, like whatever you want to call the defense. I, I think Ole Miss's defense is so different than anything like that. Yeah. It uses three down linemen. Yeah. It has the two linebackers and the six defensive backs, but does it really, um, it, it's so interchangeable and athlete focused that there isn't really a way to, give it a true three, two, six label or a three, four label, because it's just so different in that it gets the best athletes on the field in a position close to or similar their like body style and structure. But I mean, we saw a lot of last year where they moved one of the linebackers down to make it more of like a four, one, five almost. And, and so it's just so inherently different that yeah. Partridge has that familiarity and, 
if the people at home are, are interested, I don't know if y'all are familiar with coach too, but you can like watch coaches break down um, various defensive packages, offensive schemes, whatever. That's a really interesting one on Chris Park, Chris Partridge talking about third downs and red zones and what kind of the defense looks like there. Uh, so if there was any concern that Partridge is not ready to handle a defense by himself. And now we don't know if it'll be by himself now that Chris Kiffin is no longer the co-defensive coordinator, but they could bring someone in to help him. If not go watch this, this uh, lecture or lesson, whatever you want to call it. And, and Chris Partridge knows what he's talks about talking about. He knows the system and he knows um, how to, to stay successful in 2022 and beyond. So I think it'll look pretty similar to what was run last year. Yeah. And he, he might throw in some things of his own. I mean, he's coached under Don Brown, another well-respected defensive mind uh, when he was at Michigan. And then he also was with Durkin the last couple of years. So um, yeah, he might throw in some wrinkles of his own, but I think they're going to stick with three, two, six. All right, next one. Which current player or players are are we expecting to make a big jump next year? Um, they threw out the names like Mark Robinson, um, Eli Acker. Uh, they threw in Jake Springer, even though he was a first-year guy. But uh, anybody that we expect to make a big jump? Um, I like Nick Broker to make a big jump. And I know that sounds kind of uh, silly because he's already such an established, definitive guy um but there's a chance that they can move him inside because he's kind of slots more well or slots more well slots better um at a guard position and so they might move him inside this year which would be uh you know new for him and i think he has a really opportunity to shine and become like a very definitive first or second round nfl talent if he can show that he is able to play that guard position assuming that Mason Brooks and Jeremy James are the two tackle spots. So um, I think Nick Broker could be a huge jump. And then same thing with that other guard spot, Eli Acker uh, could make a, a very big name for himself on the offensive line. Those are my two, two guys. And now that's again, stemming back to my love of the big uglies, but I think Eli Acker and Nick Broker could be very valuable assets um, on an offensive line that is already uh, pretty established. Like we said, I'll throw out one offensive guy since you went all offense and then I'll go defense. I think Braylon Brown has a big year. And I don't know if that means like a thousand yard receiver. I don't know if it means 600. I think he's too talented to not make an impact. Um, I think a lot of people got a little, little disgruntled last year. He was a big time signee, but man, hamstring injuries are hard to come back from. And I don't think they wanted to rush him back and risk further injuring it or just adding some kind of complication by just making it a nagging injury. Um, I think he's going to be someone that factors into the receiver room. Um, defensively, I like Cedric Johnson to have a big, big jump. Um, I think they got to find someone to go on the other side of him, but I mean, he quietly had six and a half sacks last year. He was kind of in the shadow of Sam Williams because Sam Williams had an all American type season, but I think Cedric Johnson's going to continue to be a mainstay on the defensive line. I like, uh, I would say Kendrick Breedlove, uh, Trey Washington, those two guys um, at the corner position, um, both highly uh, thought of signees. Um, Tysheem Johnson blew up last year. 
made a ton of plays. I think Breedlove and Trey Washington are guys that can do that as well. Um, and then if I'm going someone outside of the box, uh, I look for Brandon Mack coming off the injury. He was expected to be a starter last year before he got hurt. I think he could be the guy that's on the other side of Cedric Johnson that makes like plays that. off the edge. Um, he was a guy that got into the weight room uh, big time after getting in from high school, added some good weight. Um, and then I think that uh, not only just the the hype that was around him going into last season before he got hurt, but you have to think somebody like that's going to be awfully hungry after putting themselves in position to be a starter and then having to sit out due to injury. Um, he can stay healthy in 2022. I think he's got a shot to be uh, a big factor. All right. I'll, throw, I'll throw out one one last one here on the defensive side of the okay. ball because I went I went offensive line on the first two. I like Demon Clowney to step up. I'm curious to see how they use him. I don't know if he put on enough weight uh, to push him down into that edge rusher spot or if they're going to keep him more in the outside linebacker position. Um, but I think he is a very viable asset in terms of the pass rush and just being so stupid fast around the corners um, that he could be really he could live. He could be a demon huh, uh, for opposing tackles. All right. Let's get into some recruiting questions here as this is a recruiting show. Um, what do we think of the basketball signing class for next year? Uh, true point guard coming in. Um, will there be any players likely to hit the portal from Ole Miss? Uh, I'm not going to speak to the portal because I just don't know. Uh, as far as the basketball signing class goes, I know the basketball team is struggling on the court right now. Um, signing class now, it doesn't have a lot of star cachet to it. Um, I think Malik Ewan is a guy that can help, um, I wouldn't say immediately next season, but 6'10", runs the floor well, uh, very active on the on the glass. I think he could be someone that gives them a new look at the, uh, at the four, I don't know if he's a true center at the next level, but he's extremely talented, very versatile, um, plays against some of the best competition in the country, plays in the high, uh, I believe it's 7A now in Georgia. Um, and he's, uh, comes from a good program uh, at Bergmar. I would say uh, a true point guard. I don't know if they have a true point guard right now, but TJ Caldwell and Robert Coward are two interesting prospects. Caldwell is, um, cower both they're extremely athletic um, can really jump out the gym so they can help you in transition they're uh, the, the next level for college basketball coming from an, an, an amateur viewer here who's someone that doesn't know as much about basketball as I think that I know about football I feel like defense is where you can really make a difference early on at, in, in college and in, in a staff and, and a scheme and a team like Ole Miss that prides themselves on playing tough defense. Caldwell and Coward both kind of their skill set lends to getting some early minutes as freshmen. Now, I don't know if there'll be guys that come in and score 10 and, and grab six rebounds a game. That's, that's a tall task, but I think that they're athletic enough to uh, get some minutes, but true point guard. I don't know. I, I, I wrote about Amari Abram earlier this week, uh, the 2022 guard that's out at, at Southern California Academy with Robert Coward. They're recruiting him hard. Um, big news earlier this week, he essentially eliminated Louisville um, after Chris Mack left. Um, so now it appears that he's starting to narrow his focus on where he's looking. 
Um, DePaul offered him this year or, or this week, I should say. Um, but Ole Miss is in it. Um, he's a, he, he's already visited. Um, he's talked about how he likes the staff. He likes how they play, how the guards play. Um, I think if you can add someone like him to a backcourt that is going to have uh, M- Matthew Morrell and Deshaun Ruffin coming off the knee injury, um, Jake Thompson of the Ole Miss Spirit, uh, part of the On3 Network, reported earlier this week that they expect Ruffin to have a successful surgery and to be able to recover fully. Um, I don't think he'll be able to play again this year at all. Um, unless he's getting that same treatment that uh, Cam Akers or um, <laughs> Amari Rogers got when he was at Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, it's a talented backcourt already, and I don't know if you would necessarily call Abram a true point guard. So I would say, I guess, a true point guard coming in, I would say no. Abram, to me, is kind of a two that plays well um, in that spot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not going to blow you out of the water with stars like a Duke or Kentucky or an Arkansas or – an Auburn signing class, but they've got some nice pieces coming in. Yeah. I think the biggest interesting factor is uh, TJ Caldwell, 6'4", 170. If you can get him up to playing at 190-ish at Ole Miss, then he he would be a pretty physical presence at a two guard. You could even stretch him out to the three spot if you needed to. Um, So I, I think TJ Caldwell could be really interesting if you can put some weight on him. Like you said, defensively, uh, he can make a huge impact right away. But I think long-term, he can just become a, a very physical presence that Ole Miss appears to lack in a lot of um, late-game situations. They just get outsized in a lot of areas, and I think Caldwell could be someone who helps that be less of an issue moving forward. I'm glad you mentioned the the height there, because both him and Coward are both 6'3", 6'4", and with Matthew Morrell being in the 6'2", 6'3", range, I think that gives you a lot of flexibility with Ruffin being out on the floor. Now, Ruffin, before the injury, a lot of people thought he'd be a liability out there defensively because he's so small, but I think he played pretty good defense for a true freshman. Um, Mm -hmm. He's pesky. Um, He created a lot of turnovers, um, which turns into transition. I think that's where Ole Miss is is best, just because they struggle so much in the half court, um, which is so weird. and Because I think nice – Nice year Brooks has been pretty good this year. And um, you know, he is a guy that can create his own shot offensively, but I feel like they're just better in transition just because of the athleticism they have. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see uh, the basketball. They need a lot of help because um, they're struggling this year. Uh, next question. What in-state recruiting miss is most likely to transfer to Ole Miss next off season? Uh, <laughs> Jaheim Otis, Travion Williams, Stone Blanton, or Kamari Rogers. Uh, I'm ruling out the last two. I don't think Kamari Rogers is going to transfer. He seemed pretty dead set on Miami the whole time. And after suffering another knee injury in high school, um, that's both knees have been operated on. I think that kind of eliminated him from almost really pushing to bring him, bring him in. And I think Stone Blank likes South Carolina. And I think he's got the two sport thing going. South Carolina has a good baseball program. I think he'll stay there. Um, Shane Beamer uh, quietly had himself a pretty good signing class this year. And um, I think he'll stay there. <sighs> that leaves us with Otis or Travion Williams. Man, it all just depends on what Otis does about Alabama. Is he going to get lost in the shuffle or is he going to play? If he plays, he's not leaving Alabama. Um, 
even if he does get lost in the shuffle, is he going to be like other Alabama guys that just stays and waits his turn and then tries to have one or two good years to prepare for the NFL? Trevion Williams is a tricky one. How good is Mississippi State going to be? How much does he care about winning? How much does he care about being on a team that is successful? I don't know. I don't think State's going to be very good next season. Um, it just – I have to see more to be able to pick which one. If you made me pick one of those, I guess I would lean Otis – no real reason outside of he has a former teammate in control Bullock that's at Ole Miss. And I think he liked Randall Joyner and the Ole Miss staff. It was just hard for him to turn down Alabama. Um, I would probably lean him just because I think Trevion Williams will stay at state. Um, yeah. And plus the, the numbers game at Alabama with just all the talent that they recruit. If Otis were to get lost in the shuffle, he might want to leave, but yeah, it's a tough one. I, I agree with that. I think I, I think the answer is D, none of the above. Um, <laughs> but if there was one to transfer back home, I think it would be Otis getting to Alabama, falling down the depth chart, and wanting to get a fresh start somewhere else uh, back home, closer to home. But I, I don't think any of those guys are going to leave their current programs. All right. Um, let's see. Last couple questions here. Um, do we think the carries will be dispersed like last year, or will Zach Evans get most of the carries, if not all of them? Uh, that's a good question. I know that Kevin Smith, the previous running backs coach, liked to keep people fresh and rotate a ton. Um, I don't know if Markwell Blackwell is going to be like that. Um, haven't been able to see him in action yet. So I have no idea of knowing how he will handle that. Plus um, it was easier to rotate more guys because you had dudes that have done it before and Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor, and then they worked in Henry Parrish. I think Evans is going to get the bulk of the carries. I want to see what Kentrell Bullock does in spring and, and summer ball and fall camp. Uh, and then again, I, I'm with the staff. I, the staff loves Quinchon Judkins and I'm high on him as well. I think he's going to have an impact in that room. I don't know if it'll be 10 plus carries a game or if it'll be three or four to spell Zach Evans or control Bullock during games. But I think you're going to see Zach Evans get the bulk of the carries, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you look at the three headed monster last year too, uh, the carries were, were pretty well distributed between the three. Um, so really any, um, I, I guess Zach Evans, what I'm trying to say is that Zach Evans has a, has a chance to take, you know, it was pretty much a third, a third, a third, give or take between Connor Parrish and Ely last year. This year, I think you're looking more at like 50, 25, 25. Um, okay. Zach Evans is going to get maybe even 51 just to make it the majority. Uh, he's going to get a lot of the touches. But Judkins is a, a nice change of pace guy. And, and like you said, Bullock could be very interesting if he can establish himself in the spring and the summer as a, I think, I, I know he's got that kind of get up and go speed too. Um, but you can give him kind of the more short yardage carries and, and rely on him as more of the bowling ball uh, role than you can a Judkins. And then Evans is kind of the both. So if we were to make a comparison here, 
Um, and now this is a stretch because all three are very, very different running backs. Um, but you, you'd give Zach Evans kind of that Henry Parrish to where you can run the ball, you can break a deep run, you can block, you can kind of do everything. Um, Judkins is perhaps more of that quick, shiftier back. He's bigger than Jerry Ely, but he is kind of that quick, shiftier back. And then Bullock, I would say, again, Snoop Connor was bigger, stronger, ran harder. Um, so again, not a direct comparison here by any means, but Bullock would kind of fill that Snoop Connor role if you wanted him to. So that one, two, three could be interesting, but I think Zach Evans is going to get as many touches as they can give him because he deserves them. All right. So uh, before we uh, take our last break and we get to DeAndre Prince, a couple breaking news items here, one of a serious nature and then one of a funny one. Um, ben Garrett of the Ole Spirit reporting that all signs continue to point to LSU wide receiver Deion Smith getting his academics in order this semester and transferring Whoa. to Ole Miss in June. Um, so that's huge. I mean, just another legit weapon to add to that wide receiver room. Um, and <laughs> the, uh, the not so serious, hilarious breaking news, Alabama has hired former LSU and NFL quarterback, Zach Mettenberger as an analyst. No way. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. The freaking former offensive coordinator for, uh, Shoot, it's right by my house, right here, Harding High School. What is it called? It's literally the one. Oh, Harding Academy. No. Oh God. No. No, it sounds ridiculous. It's not Harding Academy. I let no right here. Maybe Harding Academy. Oh man. Is that a? That's not a high school. Zach Mettenberger. Wow, that's funny. Here, hold on. Efforting. Efforting. Father. He was at Father Ryan. It was at Hillsborough before that. Hillsborough. Yeah, not Harding. Hillsborough. Yes. 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 That's so funny. making the rounds in the greater Nashville area and is now stepped up to coach for Nick Saban. What a world. That's hysterical. Um, famously uh, took a uh, took a fist to the face at a uh, bar in Midtown Nashville, too. So that's he sure funny. did. So, uh, yeah, so good for good for Zach. I was I was making fun of him the other day, actually, um, <laughs> about how he got punched when he was uh, on the practice squad for the Titans. But, uh, yeah, good, good, good for old Mettenberger there. Um, so, uh, I, I guess Saban, Saban couldn't get Jeff Levy. So he found another guy with a neck beard to bring on to his staff. So, um, so there you go. Um, all right, we're gonna take our final break on the other side. You will hear from, uh, Ole Miss cornerback and NIL exclusive partner of the Ole Miss spirit, DeAndre Prince. We will talk about a myriad of topics, but, uh, again, thanks to you, the listener for tuning in. Thank you for, uh, for all the questions at the uh Ole Miss spirit join in on the mailbag next time join Ole Miss spirit you uh, you have your opportunity to fire us some questions so we'll get them on the show but uh thanks to you thanks to the sponsors thanks to Grayson for joining me um but yeah we'll take our final break on the other side we'll hear from DeAndre Prince so thanks again buddy we'll talk next week absolutely thanks to uh all those out there listening who who let us indulge in some mailbag all right final break and then we'll hear from DeAndre Prince Podcast brought to you by Protection Unlimited Incorporated, the Mid-South's leader in commercial and residential alarm security. Wayne Lowry and his team have been serving the greater Memphis area and North Mississippi for 50 plus years and would love to get your business and or family protected today. 
They offer cutting edge security for your home or business with video surveillance options, and they're monitoring 24 7, 365. You can reach them via phone at 901 754 6510 or email them at info at protectionunlimited.com. Podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals. They can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn more about them at bluffcityadvisory.com. Podcast brought to you by the Barry Home Team. You're ready to sell and make the most net profit from your home. Call Stacy and Rick Barry today. They will lead you through the process from property assessment, repairs, staging, and putting that sold sign in your yard. Both have earned the multi-million dollar club member status, and they would love to assist you today in your real estate ventures. Call them 901-481-6420 or 901-461-6421. After you have talked to the Barry Home Team, you can talk to Saddle Creek Title, another proud sponsor of the show. They're the Mid-South's leader in client-focused, innovative closing solutions. Neil Hanna and his team are more than just a real estate closing firm. They are dedicated to going the distance to ensure the ease and growth of your real estate business. Find more information at SaddleCreekTitle.com or call them 901-753-1600. Show brought to you by Davis McCord State Farm. If you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis and his team. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around, give Davis a call. He is ready to help. 901-755-6110 and get your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we are now joined by exclusive NIL partner of the Ole Miss Spirit, DeAndre Prince. Brought to you by Millette Beach Condo Reynolds. DeAndre, how are we doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Just another day. Um, so right off the top, I, I, I have to ask, um, it's not really breaking news anymore as it happened earlier today as we record this Thursday afternoon, almost to the evening. But uh, Chris Kiffin was hired as the co-defensive coordinator um, he has decided to uh, return back to the NFL. Um, I didn't know how much you had interacted with him since the hire was announced or if you had talked with him about kind of what the defense was going to look like in 2022. But what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I really haven't communicated with him. Um, I, I always just um, looked at the news and seeing who we was going to get. So I was going to touch bases with him, but I mainly been talking to um, – my coach and um, Coach Partridge. So we, 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 you know, this full disclosure, this this interview is the second segment of our show. Uh, earlier today we were recording and we did a mailbag and somebody asked about what the defense is going to look like in 2022 now that DJ Durkin has moved on to A&M. Chris Partridge is the D.C. now. Uh, you mentioned you were talking to him. Um, you know, I'm not asking you to give away scheme or anything because we don't want anyone to know, but just what, what are your expectations for uh, next year's defense after a really strong close to 2021? Uh, I think we're going to um, add on to last year, uh, probably add some more different schemes and uh, different plays, but I think it's most definitely going to be similar to last year. So um, just, just different players doing different things, getting different opportunities 
like different bliss patterns and different things like that. Lost a, a, a good amount of uh, some key pieces from that defense, Sam Williams, Chance Campbell, Mark Robinson, um, and some others, but tons of talent coming back, yourself included, returning starters, guys that played a ton of snaps last year. Um, it's going to be a bit of a new look defense, but uh, there's several guys that um, were battling for starting spots or had a starting spot and ended up getting banged up or having an injury that cost them their season. But out of some of those guys that are uh, looking to come back and earn a spot, who do you anticipate making some noise in spring practice and into fall camp? Uh, uh, basically, most of the new guys, like the uh, the transfers and uh, uh, different safety schemes, different safeties that we got, um, pretty talented and <clears throat> um, work hard, hard workers, man, dedicated. Uh, I, I see them turning up in the spring. And uh, also some of the ones who was behind the starters last year, uh, like at the linebacker position and the and the uh, corner position, even even receivers. I see a lot of people that are going to step up this year. Feel like they're going to make a lot of noise. So you mentioned the safeties and some of the other guys in the secondary with you. Um, you guys return probably one of the more saltier secondaries in the SEC um, with guys like AJ Finley. Uh, Tysheem Johnson, yourself, um, that, tons of talent in that room. Um, and with you, you know, with the three, two, six guys play a lot of guys out there um, on the field at the same time with some of the newcomers coming in. Um, talked to Aisheem Young a week ago and then uh, Ladarius Tennyson coming over from Auburn. Um, how do you see them fitting into the scheme? And um, what have you guys been talking about in, in meetings and, you know, in the locker room as far as getting ready for next season? Uh, I see them fitting well in the scheme. I, um, I, I watched both of them, like, personally. Um, Ashim is in my uh, workout group, uh, the 1030 group. So uh, I've been uh, watching him, and he's just a great player. Watch his highlights before we got him. Um, when he transferred to us, I watched his highlights. Watched the uh, Tennyson highlight, too. I think they all fit in the scheme with us, like, together. So we'll just be like more dynamic and we'll have more legs and more options. That's a good segue there, DeAndre. I was about to ask you about this, but the, the transfer portal has essentially taken over college football. It's, it's, it's super active. Um, Ole Miss included Lane Kiffin and the rest of the staff did a nice job putting together a, a really impressive portal class, but how is that as a player? Um, I mean, I'll just ask, do you and, and your teammates look at the portal and, and try to find guys that you think would fit at Ole Miss? Or is it just a matter of when you hear the names, you you kind of check out their highlights, like you said? Uh, it's a matter of when I hear their names, kind of just check them out, like see what, what they can bring to the table, what they have to offer, their, their strength, their weaknesses. Um, basically try to try to see where they fit in the scheme. The uh, NFL Combine's coming up. Ole Miss is sending eight guys there, draft later uh, this year, in a couple months, I should say. Um, your draft year is coming up. Um, have you talked to any of the guys going to the Combine or any other former Rebels that, have, that you've played with and have gone to the Combine, gone to the NFL in terms of what your preparation um, should look like heading into this 2022 season and, and trying to put your best foot forward for scouts? 
Uh, I haven't talked to uh, any of the guys this year, but um, I talked to Miles Hartfield like two years ago, and I've been talking to Coach Bush this year. Um, Coach Bush has mainly kept me on track and told me where I needed to be and what I needed to do to prepare to uh, prepare for the scouts and uh, and for the combine and and even for this season. Just trying to make good plays, make a lot of plays, and and get to the league. What would you say was your biggest, uh, I guess, that taking your game to the next level after your first season at Ole Miss, um, comparing it to last year, um, 46 total tackles, had two picks, defended three passes, were all over the place for the defense. But what would you say was either the biggest thing you learned from the staff or just something that kind of came with your maturation of the game? Um, I would say i always been like a, run to the ball type of player, but um, I've never been like a, a tackle type of guy. Uh, my freshman year, I think I had like 22 tackles, um, two picks. So therefore, like my freshman year, I, was, I wasn't like ready for like for the tackle and run up and tackle, but I think this year I got a lot of good tackles and, and um, I started running to the ball even more. Didn't have any lows this year, as I can recall. And uh, I was just all over the place trying to make plays any way I could for the team. All right, I have to ask, and you got to be honest with with me here. We're on record, so you can't you can't be telling any tales out of school. Okay. In the Vander in the Vanderbilt game, when you went up there and caught that football, did you know your foot was in? Yes, sir. Oh, definitely. Without a, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I knew. And it, it, it was kind of hard to tell in the in the replay. Were you able to, after you caught the ball, were you able to look down, or was it just a feel that you knew where to put your foot? Uh, I, I looked down while I was in the air. I, I looked exactly where I wanted to plot my foot, and I uh, plotted my foot there. DeAndre Prince here with us, exclusive NIL partner of the Ole Miss Spirit, sponsored by Millette Beach Condo Rentals. Last couple things here, DeAndre. Um, Super Bowl this weekend, uh, any matchups that you're looking for or you have a, a winner pick? I wouldn't say matchups, but I, I do look forward to watching um, Chase and Ramsey, um, two great players. And um, one of my idols is Ramsey. So I, I look forward to seeing how he holds one of the best rookies to come in. And um, I look forward to seeing what Chase can do with him. I uh, also look forward to seeing what Joe Barrow can do in the Super Bowl. Hopefully, though, uh, LA win, but. I, yeah, I wouldn't. It wasn't matter anyway. Either way, honestly. All right. Um, I guess last thing here, just to, uh, I guess keep it, keep on theme with uh with what I've asked the last couple guys that have been on here with us. Um, and, and we'll say before we change the the subject here. Um, you mentioned you want to see what Joe Burrow is going to do in the Super Bowl. Um, I, I'm sure you remember. I'm sure you. Others will, will will probably remind him that you picked him off in that uh that 2019 game. So, yeah, I'm will definitely want to be a <laughs> one of those guys, yes, sir. Yeah. Um. So I asked the other guys that have been on the show, and and you know, I'll cut them some slack. Jordan Watkins, the receiver from Louisville, and then I talked to Aishim. Um, I asked them about their favorite place to eat in town, and they said they hadn't had a chance to really taste the local fare. Um, and then I put Otis Reese on the spot. He, um, 
<laughs> he really didn't have anything. He said Zaxby's, but um, what's your go-to meal in Oxford right now? Uh, I would definitely say Chili's. Uh, I just love, love the pasta and Chili's. Honestly, I like the pasta and the honey crispers. I are, get are, we going, are we going Cajun chicken or Cajun shrimp? Cajun shrimp, most day. Okay, okay. Nicely done. And you said chicken crispers. Is there anywhere else? I guess non-chain restaurant in Oxford. Anywhere else? Um, out. Uh, what is Southern Coop? Uh, more definitely. I go to Southern Coop okay. also for the wings. Yes, sir. Okay. What's your go-to wing sauce? All right. Are you talking about like the 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 sauce yeah. on the wings? Yeah, yeah. What they uh, toss it in. I prefer hot. But uh, lately, I can't be eating hot because we're starting to run a lot. And <laughs> so I've been trying to stick to, you know, I've been trying to stick to uh, honey and gold. Yeah, okay. You're, hey, you're in your third year, DeAndre. You're getting old, so you get that acid reflux yeah, that starts flaring up. I'm getting old, man. I can't, I can't eat too much hot no more. <laughs> Last thing, when you're eating wings, are you going ranch or blue cheese? Ranch. 100%. Okay, all right. All right, well, that's DeAndre Prince, an exclusive NAO partner of the Ole Miss Spirit. DeAndre, thanks for the time, man. This has been fun. We'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. No problem. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.